Hello, and welcome to episode 250 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories, one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Doran Cochran, creator of Ray Kale, Quinn's Curse, number one, now on Kickstarter. This is Matt, and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. Thanks so much for coming back on the podcast. Um, for anybody who wasn't on the podcast the first time, um, and didn't hear this. Um, let's start off with a quick bio about yourself. And then after that, give us a elevator pitch for this book that's on Kickstarter right now. Yeah, sure. So uh, my name's obviously Doran Corkum. Um, so I've been in kind of the background creating comic books on my own in my basement for probably uh, most of my life, probably about 20 years now. Uh, in the back corner here, that's just full ideas that I'm trying to bring to life right now. Um, so I've been going to the local cons and now I'm trying to, uh, to reach out to Kickstarter to try and see if this is a medium I can use uh, to have some success and help propel everything because I got a lot going on uh, and it's a matter of can I get the funding or what what sticks as they say is when they throw it at a wall. <laughs> nice and um, as for the yeah go go ahead I'm sorry no I was gonna uh, just was prompt gonna... you for the elevator pitch but it seems like you were yeah. on your way there. Uh, slowly uh, elevators going up <laughs> um, so yeah so uh, I'll try and use my, my radio voice I don't think I really have one but we'll, we'll try it. Uh, White Fire Comics has created a gruesomely awesome comic series that will take the reader to places where the horror has never been, uh, all while revealing secret Templar orders and demonic species that wishes to control us all. We can't do this without your help. Uh, give us a chance and support our Kickstarter, Raquel Quint's Curse. Very cool, it sounds, that sounds awesome. So uh, refresh my memory. Um, I believe the first time we, we talked, um, you sort of had a, uh, sort of a high concept uh, superhero comic was was that correct yeah the, the forsaken future very superhero based uh i actually it was created by uh as we were teenagers actually playing actually this marvel kind of game back in the day when you weren't supposed to play those type of things it's kind of like a dungeons and dragons type marvel game which doesn't sound that dangerous but anyways <laughs> but yeah so it, it, it me and my friend's characters i had turned them into a story and it had evolved over over 20 years uh so uh, I was happy to get that out there uh, and to try and get that out as a Kickstarter. Nice. And so um, I think a lot of times when we talk to to comic creators, sort of the thing that's the easiest things to do or the things that call us the most to do is a, a superhero comic, a sci-fi comic, or a horror comic. So is this something that you've been been thinking about for a while? Because it sounds like that other project had been going on for a while so is this this an idea that you've had for a while so, so what happened is, is i mentioned that filing cabinet full of kind of characters and ideas that i'd had i'd built up over the years what happened was is i went through it and it kind of created this division of all these characters where did they fit and a lot of them fit into the forsaken future this the sci-fi kind of world uh and, and a lot of them fit into this kind of horror idea um so i realized i actually had this kind of split already done and it was just a matter of me having time to work on it. Um, I always chose the Forsaken Future first because it was just was working. And, and what had happened was I actually didn't have an artist that I could work with um, that I was really confident in, uh, honestly, to try and build up this, this world, uh, what I call the world of white fire, um, but, but where Raquel uh, Quince Curse will start us off at. Um, but I finally found him. He came out of nowhere actually during the Forsaken Future Kickstarter. And uh, yeah, it was really cool. Do you want to do you want to expand upon um, the 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 artist that you found here? Because it sounds like that might be an interesting story. 
Yeah, um, he just contacted me, which was really, really surprising and asked if, if I had anything like he was doing. Actually, it's, it's kind of interesting that he was doing superhero comics and he didn't he likes doing that. Uh, but he, and he's in the Philippines. But he when he found out that I had a horror comic book series, he was like, what? And then he's like, you know, I'm all over that. Like, he's a huge horror fan. And I found out that we had that kind of shared passion. Uh, and, and it's been great because we've been able to kind of bounce the ideas off each other in little spots. And he actually picked up on some things as uh, in the art when I was doing, like I do this, the thumbs and I present them to the artist. He actually picked up on some things and, and he definitely added a lot to the story as he was going. Very cool. So I'm going to check in with Noah here to see if he, he has a question. Maybe if Noah wants to sort of expand upon um, a writer uh, creator giving you sort of thumbnails um, to sort of express some of the idea. Yeah, I caught on to that too. I was very interested in that. So do you, um, uh, again, you'll have to refresh my memory. Do you have an art background um, that, that yeah. sort of gives you that visual? Exactly. Um, so uh, yeah, growing up, I always, I always drew. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm no Jim Lee. I'm no, I mean, I, I did one of the covers for the Forsaken Future, um, the Savage Edition. Um, but it takes me up slow, <laughs> slow as can be. And I've tried to fix that over the years. And I just don't have the style I think that belongs to something like this. Um, but yes, I do have an art background and I read lots of books. Um, there's a couple of good DC books out there actually on, on doing panels and how to, to switch stories around. Um, so I've invested a lot of time on top of the fact I'm actually by trade, I'm a graphic technician printer, uh, which means I'm a great, basically a graphic designer that can run printing presses. So I have this great background uh, in, in the book medium on top. And then I went and became a web designer as well. So I, this whole web medium and the, the printing medium, I'm very versed in. That's right. It's all coming back to me now. That's so great. And um, so uh, I guess you also have to refresh me on sort of the script writing process. Then um, you, you sort of, you, you have an idea. Do you write then like a full script or do you sort of let your, your thumbnails speak for themselves as far as panels, numbers of panels and how they're laid out and everything? Sure. So I, I actually tell the, the artist right off the bat, they're a guide. Um, they are what I mm -hmm. use to write the script. It's just a natural way for me to do it, but I want to provide it to them in case it gives them vision. Uh, and a lot of the times what I actually don't want uh, through conversation, again, I want them to give that vision, but I don't want them to copy it. And, and I've worked with a couple artists over the years who would just copy. It was kind of like, you kind of run into what I feel in this so far in the indie world, I've run into two people and I've worked with a lot of people over the last decade. Um, people who are kind of, they're, they're artists who are just, they're trying to make their money, right? And I get it, but they right. can't, um, but they're just going. So when I gave them those thumbnails, they just copied what I did, right? Almost exactly. Mm. So I had to go back and go, look, I'm looking for you to add on. I want you to make this better, right? I want you to take this to the next right. level. I don't want this to just be my thumbnails done. And um, so that's where uh, Aja came in here. Um, so he prefers to be called Aja. So um, that, that's, mm -hmm. uh, uh, so Aja came in and he's the type of guy who takes it to the next level. Um, so that's what I really, really liked. And I realized once it started happening, man, this is what I'm looking for. We got to get this out there. Okay, that's so awesome. So I want to maybe take a step back from from the thumbnails. So when you're, you know, you have this cabinet of, you know, characters that you can pull from. Um, so then you're sort of building a story idea. Are you just giving yourself like a basic outline of like things that you want, like like a story beat maybe for a page, and then you're 
are you, then you're sort of thumbnailing it out or is it like full script? Like, all right, I'm going to have eight panels here. I'm going to accomplish these things. Or is the discovery like in the thumbnails? The discovery for me, I think it's because of my art back, like the fact that I've been drawing my entire life and it just my visualization really does come from the visualization of it. Uh, and a lot of times I'm thinking about the story and how to move it here and how to do it and, and how to shift this there. But the visualization comes very easy to me. I can sit down with a piece of paper and start thumbing it out and it just keeps going. And I'm like, oh, I got to go to, and all of a sudden I have three or four pages worth of thumbs. And then I know I, the story is actually coming, like the, the, the sequence of things is coming to me as I'm doing it. I don't know if that makes sense. It's just kind of the way it happens. And then I add on to it. Like I already have in my, in my mind what that text is going to be. Uh, but then... Uh, I tweak it a lot once I actually take the thumbnails, scan them in, and then write the text out next to it. And I actually do re-tweak re the actual thumbnails as well as things go to make it kind of look a little better. It's quite the process. I, I, I don't, I, I, until uh, talking to you guys, I thought it was really cool that it sounds like you guys do something similar uh, when you deal with artists as well, like you guys do thumbs. Uh, not, not for me. I've actually been very lucky in that, uh, I probably, I have like a core group of like four artists that I work with, one of those being Noah. Um, I sort of am very sparse in my uh, descriptions or, or sort of my script. It's sort of like, um, you know, person A, person B, this is the environment that they want, or this is the environment that they're in. You sort of, this is their motivations. This is what they're saying for to each other. And on a rare occasion, I will sort of, in my mind's eye, see a camera angle and I'll be like, all right, I see this as sort of like an overhead shot looking down, but this is just a suggestion on my part. Yeah. I've never actually, uh, for anything that I've written for for anybody, um, done, done the thumbnails, but that's yeah. it's an interesting take. And I'm not sure if I'm correct and, and Noah might be able to uh, to double check me on this if he's heard this but I think this is sort of like the way Grant Morrison goes about his comics is that he thumbnails a little bit and it's sort of again it's like suggestions uh, does that sound familiar to you Noah? Uh, that doesn't sound familiar for, to me with, with Grant Morrison but I, I don't I mean I'm not going to argue I, I, I'm not going to disagree with you or, or, or doubt that that's how he does it I, that sounds totally plausible I know Robert Kirkman does sometimes he'll step in and thumbnail out if like the artist isn't giving him what he wants. Okay. Uh, but that's, that's the only person I know of. And so for, for Durham, so for you, I, I know one thing that I learned early on was in a writer as a writer, um, you know, I made the rookie mistake where I was having like 15 panels on a page and they and the artist came back and he's like no way bud you gotta you gotta get this down so do you think you thumbnailing uh it is is a way to to learn because now yes. as a writer yes. when i learned that mistake i was like i start to get itchy if i get over like nine panels i'm like okay i, I can't i can't do this so do you think that's a benefit to you I, I do, but I also think I had the reverse problem. Uh, so when I started Whitefire Comics, I wanted it to be a, a web comic. Uh, so the Forsaken Future issue one, for instance, you'll, if, if you were looking at the comic, it would have like, and it was very intentional uh, that it would have like four frames per, per page. Uh, in my mentality, it was a comic second. It was a web comic first. And I wanted it to not, to, to use real estate well. Um, but I actually had the opposite problem where I was putting too few of frames I found when I decided I need to go wow. comic book first. Right. Okay. Um, 
so that's why I'm actually right now remastering issue one of the Forsaken Future is to actually put in more frames uh, and, and make it uh, more just just flow better as a comic book. Oh wow, that's that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I I, I feel like a lot of the experience that we've we've heard about, and certainly the experience that um, you know I've had, is that uh, as a writer you want to you want to get so much of the story in and that and i was like again i was like i was having 15 panel pages so um it might have been more of a you know a necessity that you were you were looking at it as as a web comic um that you were doing the the three to four panels but that that's really interesting i, I think that might be the first time we've heard of somebody starting off and and not trying to jam a, a page in with with a bunch of panels yeah, so I think I was a, a, a artist first, a writer second, and I, I always, I rarely do refer to myself as, as a writer, but, um, but I am, I guess, mm -hmm. uh, I have to, I have to say it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm designing <laughs> comics, I'm, I'm putting them in there, uh, and the, the stories have come a long ways over the years. I definitely learned a lot, um, but I think because that artist first approach is what is really what caused, and I think I understand. Because I've been drawing pages since I was a teenager, comic pages. Like I, I remember thinking, I'm going to get myself submitted to DC, and you know what I mean. And uh, I look back on those pages now; they're not that great. Um, but I was already figuring out how to do the do the layouts of pages, so that probably did help me a lot. So yeah. on the Forsaken Future one, when you were doing those three to four uh, panel pages, and they were you know designed to be a, a web comic, were they like uniform in size, like sort of like divide the page in thirds and sort of, you know, widescreen, sort of almost like that uh, Brian Hitch sort of uh, style. Yeah, I was I was definitely trying to control what, how you fit it to your page. I was always thinking about if you were to, the thought was always, I've seen these viewers out there uh, before I ended up creating my own viewer, um, these viewers out there, we could zoom into each frame. And what I realized very easily was I need to control the frames. They need to be square or rectangular because a lot of comic artists are going to do these crazy, there's, artists out there who do some amazing, crazy stuff. But to me, for a webcomic, that wasn't gonna work because you couldn't fit it to your screen well. It was just, like I saw a lot of what Marvel was doing earlier on uh, with their webcomics. I'm like, they can't fit this stuff to a page and look good. So I wanted to make it visibly better, if that makes sense. Makes sense. So Noah, I, yeah. I feel like you had a question here. So I wanna, I wanna check back in with you. Well, I'm just sort of going back to the world that you're you're creating here. It seems like another labor of love for you, this this horror world that you're you created. And I just sort of wanted to get into the more into the inception of the idea behind this world. Like, what were some inspirations for this? Like, were you, uh, you know, like what were, were what are some of your influences in creating this world? Yeah. So, so a, a, a large portion of it would be a would be good old Ghost Rider. Um, I love the Ghost Rider comic book series. It's not quite the same, but some of those elements uh, you will definitely see in uh, issue one of, of Raquel. Um, mm. And uh, th there's lots, like Nightmare on Elm Street uh, was one of the original horror movies. Like my, I blame my sister for some of this actually. Uh, she was a horror <laughs> fan. And back then, like, so uh, this will age me quite a bit. We were watching them recorded on VHS, right? So you'd go over to her house to babysit my nephew or whatever. And there'd be, what are you going to watch? Well, there's all these horror movies there because she loved the, the genre. <laughs> and uh, so I was watching that. I just always, Nightmare on Elm Street, I don't think it's the credit it deserves as a movie. If you really look back on it, the, the original one, before they went all crazy in the, the sequels and stuff, to this idea of someone not being able to go to sleep, but they're going into like another world in their dream. 
and, and I always liked that that particular concept. Uh, another thing I really liked movies, again, maybe not one that people would consider horror, but was an actual Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, uh, End of Days. Uh, I don't oh, know if wow. a lot of people know it, but I really liked that movie. Uh, I thought that was a really cool story. And there's definitely some influence uh, in, in, in this. And of course, music-wise, huge Iron Maiden fan. Uh, and another oh, yeah. little influence uh, that I would throw in at the bottom. And again, Iron Maiden, I love it because of the storytelling, Eddie, the art, you know, very horror-like. Um, but another influence here uh, in this particular series that people might say, where is this coming from? But a little bit uh, is actually the Curse of Oak Island. Uh, so that, that's kind of in there a little bit too. That's the only thing I'm not familiar with. Like I can totally see, it's sort of funny you brought up End of Days because the, the demon character that sort of pops up a lot on your Kickstarter page, he seems very inspired by like, uh, um, oh, I'm trying to remember the movie from the 80s with Tim Curry and Tom Cruise and uh, with the devil and everything like that. Yes, um, yes, I know. Oh, it, but but also, is it Legend? Legend, yeah. Legend, yeah. But also, but but when you said end of days, I was like, oh yeah, that too, because that has like one of the coolest devil designs ever in that movie. Yeah, and um, yeah, and so so I so there's another kind of little there's some in between small stories that have happened. So I, when I started this all out, I created the Forsaken Future, and at the same time, I actually created two stories. One is actually called Quint. Um, they're, they're short stories, a ten page comics, uh, and then another one's called Gabriel Hand of God. Um, and at the beginning of that, it explains what Raquel's are in the in the kind of text that's kind of I do these preludes. Um, but this whole idea is that there's there, it's not the devil, but it's the devil is just so mad, right? That the war between heaven and hell didn't go his way. So he actually created a new species of demons and, and called them Raquel's. And he actually rips them from his flesh these three Raquel's uh, pieces of flesh and they turn into these, these manipulative demons. And that's the whole basis for the kind of the top foundation. Um, so that's kind of what they are. Uh, I haven't, you haven't seen them all yet for sure. So are these uh, 10 page short stories, things that have appeared in the, the Forsaken Future? Like, cause it sounds like you have yeah. Okay, but it does sound like there's a bit of a connected universe here, right? Or there, there isn't. They're they're totally oh, separate. Okay. Yeah. So the, the Forsaken Future. Sorry, I, I guess I talked a lot about that, but but that's totally sci-fi. I wanted to when I went to that filing cabinet, I separated them into the two different worlds. Okay. And I did the world building from there. Okay. The uh, just to mention that the Raquel Quince curse is more modern day our our, our timeline. Okay. Uh, than anything else. Well, it sounds really awesome. Like, um, were you like when you're coming up with stories? Like, do you sort of uh, not to not to be controversial here, but do, like, do you look at like religious texts and be like, you know, there's some really wacky stuff here that I can sort of, you know, pull from, and and you know, I don't want I, again, I don't want to be like controversial here, but there's a lot of fantastical stuff like in the Bible that like is just you know. Oh yeah, the, the old great for storytelling. Like, like so, were yeah. you looking at stuff yeah. like that to sort of yeah. get yeah. like influences? I'm, yeah, uh, and mythology. Uh, mm -hmm. So I'm a huge mythology fan, but I don't like the <laughs> I'll call it <laughs> corny mythology of what Thor and, and Loki's become in the Marvel universe. Um, but it's 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 it works right. It totally works. The Marvel thing totally works. I love it. Um, but it's not the mythology that I would I would I would go with. Um, but yeah, the Old Testament is 
is full of darkness uh, and stuff like that. And bringing the Templar order into this uh, brings a lot of history. Cause I mean, I loved history when I was a teenager. And again, then the mystery, uh, the, the mythology side of things uh, and trying to kind of twist some stuff together there. Very cool. So I'm actually uh, a bit of a history buff. I, I went to school for history. There's also got to be a lot of stuff from like the Templars that, that you can mine. I know that like, if yep. you think about like, the Da Vinci Code, like that book, there was a lot of stuff that like brought the Templars to sort of, you know, modern audiences and made it more of a thing that people knew about. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, Curse of Oak Island uh, as a reality series has brought back a lot of talk about Templars as well. Um, uh, so the whole history of the Templars is really interesting because really they the angle that I find really cool is that again, their betrayal of the church by the church, mm -hmm. the church turning on them. They were supposed to be the protector of the people on, on, on their pilgrimages and, and, you know, and they developed their own banks and just, just the evolution of what the Templars became was so phenomenal to see it get crushed uh, by the church, having the church turn on them. It, it, I think it's just a fantastic story. And the fact that they had to flee. Yeah. So, and also as sort of a horror fan, like, and, I, I, I'm pretty sure that I, I'm saying this right, but like, I think that why Friday the 13th is unlucky was, wasn't that like the slaughter of the, the Templars? Oh, really? No, I didn't know that. I, I think Friday that the, 13th I, the first one as well. Really? I, I think that that's part of the reason why it's unlucky was because like the betrayal when they were, were attacked was on a, on, on a Friday the 13th, but oh. you know, people are probably going to be later screaming at their, their iPhones and what, or whatever device they're in and be like, that guy, Matt, he doesn't know what he's talking yeah. about. So yeah, that's right. That's Friday the 14th. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it sounds really cool. So let's, let's talk about the, the work process from uh, when you found the artist, the guy that reached out to you and you mentioned his name earlier. Um, yeah. uh, what was that again? Aja. Aja. So he reaches out to you. You guys are having this sort of conversation. Um, you're working on a superhero series at the time, but then you sort of realize that this horror thing is, is the way that you want to go. You're turning him thumbnails over uh, for your story. We, we've talked about that a little bit. Um, does he turn thumbnails over to you or does he turn like pencils over to you from the process where you hand over possible thumbs as a direction to go to what, what what were you getting back from him yeah i was getting thumbnails back from him as well and then the discussion would begin on the you know i mean the, the flow of things but most of the time honestly he was taking it to the next level like you really i rarely when working with an artist had this synergy to be able to hand the thumbnails over with a with the script and, and it would come back better uh, as i mentioned earlier um, so yeah, he would bring more back. There's sometimes where, uh, again, he's from the Philippines. So I don't, I don't think his English is hundred percent. So there was a couple situations where he got confused on some of the stuff I was doing, which was kind of funny. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, like there was, uh, there was a kind of this one scene in the comic where, uh, uh he was really confused because uh, he interpreted something the wrong way in the sense that he's wondering why the Raquel was picking up a tombstone and ripping it in half. And that's not what I'd wanted anyways. I don't want to give too much of the stories of stuff, but I, anyways, uh, it's, it was just kind of funny when you, when you look at it, that's not what I was trying to have him draw, but he drew it right. And he went to it until I started the conversation. Why are you drawing this this way? He's like, Oh, that's what you mean. It's like, okay. You have to change your wording around a little bit sometimes. Uh, yeah. 
do you know what his work process is? Is he uh, like a digital artist? Is he like a traditional artist or a hybrid of the, the two? I think he's a hybrid from what I've seen, uh, but digital primary and man, is he fast? Uh, and you know what I mean? So the, and the quality is fantastic. And he, he's, he's, it, his wife is actually a tattoo artist uh, and she does some phenomenal work. Like, so like now, since I've got the, him on Facebook and seen his, they, it's just an artistic family. Uh, they're just, they just love art. They just live and breathe art. Very cool. We need to see somebody get uh uh, a Raquel tattooed on on them uh, on their on their arm <laughs> or something like, or, or maybe, yeah. maybe maybe you if you guys ever meet up you you know you have to yeah have no, to I loved it. go all in on the on the story so so Noah yeah. um I know for you you're you're a bit of a a hybrid artist as well like you kind of start off with uh, traditional methods um, and you know obviously when you letter that's that's digital but like. Um, do you have any questions here about the the art process of somebody who who's who's working in in different mediums? Um, nothing, nothing really about that per se. But I guess I just wanted to ask about how um, you know, sort of, again, to take a step back to the world that you've created, and sort of you brought up sort of how to do the collaboration between you and your artist's work, but. What, did he bring anything to the world that you had like never considered before as far as like, you know, designs or textures or anything like that, that you were just like, oh yeah, that was the missing piece that I needed or like, you know, that, that, that like I, I really needed in the story. I could say as the story was going on, he drew the, so I had mine, so I, I usually do the character design as well. So as I'm an artist, okay. uh, and obviously not the level he does, but he added some things under the character that I actually took and turned into the story. I turned it into something else in the middle of the thumbnails as the thumbnails were going through. And there was a couple spots where there was something on the Raquel that I could use that he put onto it that I used as kind of a, kind of uh, almost like an artifact. Uh, I'm not sure how you'd explain it. The world of white fire that I created, I'm tr it, it is kind of to offset something like a superhero type feel there's mm -hmm. also artifacts. So there's, there's mystical items. Uh, I'm trying to think of something you could compare it to. Um, but, you know, so he, the way Raquel's work in, in my world is, is that they get rewards for doing bad things, for manipulating souls. You can kind of get that from the prelude on the Kickstarter. So they get these dark rewards. Well, one of his dark rewards became an item on him uh, that can do certain things now, just, just because Aja drew it a certain way. Uh, it be kind of kind of can became this portal to to some creativity and a little bit of horror. Wow, that's that's, that's cool. Yeah, it's sort of you know it's uh, not to get Bob Rossi, but it's sort of like a happy accident that uh, you know yeah. he drew that, yeah. and then you were like, oh man, that looks really cool, and I'm going to incorporate this in, into the to the story. So that's a that's a really interesting way uh, to sort of roll with the punches you know see something that's really cool and then incorporated it into the story i i i commend you for that another neat thing that i did uh, referring to the kickstarter back he did a lot of art cards for us i have these these sketch cards that i'm selling on the kickstarter um I saw those. yeah and, and so the original what's cool that i'm doing that that i don't think i've ever seen anybody else do before is each artist and particularly him they created these sets and uh, one character in each of those sets is an original character. Well, I'm going to work those characters into the story. So the idea is that when you get this original card set from the Kickstarter, 
um, you literally will be getting an original first piece of art of a character that will then be in the series. Uh, so I'll design that. I've already actually integrated some of them into the storyline already uh, in some, some big ways. Um, so I, I think that's really kind of a cool reward that someone could get an original piece of art. And it's, again, him creating characters uh, and me finding a way to work them in to make him feel like he's part of it, right? He, he, I, this is the first artist where I can say like he's literally part of, a part of the series. That's, that's so really cool. cool. So to expand upon that, this is an issue one, but it sounds like you you have some plans. Like, how much of this is sort of outlined? Do you, do you have sort of thoughts of like, this is twelve issues, this is six issues, or this is I'm taking this as as far as I can go until until I run out of story ideas? Like, what's what's your plan here with this? Okay, so uh, yeah, so uh, well, that's a great question. <laughs> so this 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 series ends. So Raquel Quint's curse definitely does end. Uh, uh, this particular part of it, but I already know where it goes from there uh, in a couple directions. Um, but so I haven't really talked about this much, but this, this, this series introduces a character called Keeper. Um, so, uh, and Keeper is, is named that, um, not, it's not his real name. It's not, you know what I mean? Again, it's kind of superhero-ish, but it's not really, it's just no one, there's reasons why he's called Keeper, right? He has things that uh, he's been keeping things that uh, that the Rakehales want and that uh, society doesn't know exists. So uh, there's a lot of secrets in his graveyard. Very cool. So you you, you say you know where this is going to end. So you sort of have an endpoint that you're always working to, but you yep. maybe don't know how many sort of, or maybe you don't. do, but how many issues it's going to take you to sort of get there. Yeah, I just don't know how long it'll take me to get there. I'm assuming this will be less than a 10 issues okay. uh, if, if we pull it off and we get the funding, right? So it, 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 that's always gonna be the tricky part. Um, I, I'm not sure what I do if I don't get the funding and I set the funding low, um, just so it, I was hoping it would be easy to get. Um, but yeah, I can't see it being more than 10 issues. I wanna think of it as a kind of gr graphic novels, but mm -hmm. if that's quite a few graphic, that's like be like what the equivalent of probably two graphic novels maybe. Yeah. Uh, but I'd like to get, build it to a point where the graphic novel makes sense to end. I don't want it to be like, here's a volume one, here's a volume two, but I want you to be able to read volume one, have some mm -hmm. sort of ending to it. And then volume two continues, if that makes sense. I haven't figured out that trigger yet, um, but I really would hope to be able to fit that in. Yeah, I would think that that's something that's very common. It's, it's also very difficult to do is sort of yes. like, you know, if I pick up a, a trade of saga, you know, I read it, and I sort of get a, a five to six issue sort of story that like takes me uh, from point A to point B. And it's a it's a satisfying story, but it's also part of the continuing journey of the, you know, the characters in Saga. So that, that's really, it's a really important thing to do, but it's also a really difficult thing to do is to sort of tell a story that's satisfying, that that comes to an end, but also can continue for people who want to be on the on the journey to go you know further along with these characters yeah and uh i definitely had that part worked out how it continues after mm -hmm. but that one little twist there how you get to finish that first let's say volume one of it i think because i because you can't make a uh, now this is an assumption you can't make a really large graphic novel uh, most of the websites i've looked to to do it they, they have page limitations on how much you can do before you have to go nope that's it yeah, it's very cool. So like, I'm really excited um, just sort of hearing all of the, yeah. the, the, the story and stuff and the, and the thought that's gone into this. Uh, I'm going to check in with Noah 
Uh, and then I'm going to know, probably knows what my standard Kickstarter question is going to be that, that I'm going to go to. Yeah. But uh, before we do that, uh, Noah, any, any thoughts here? Just, just always a pleasure to talk to you again, like as you're, it's it sort of is, it's really cool to hear just sort of the method that you found. It seems like you've kind of reached a level of like self-actualization and like in your comics creating work. And it's really cool to see like, hear about like the synergy that you have with your artists on this project. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you. And and it's, it definitely feels that way. Like Adj is trying to push this Kickstarter as best he can on his side for sure. So, so one of the questions I have, or a couple of the questions I have are gonna be about Kickstarter. Um, first is, you, you've done some Kickstarters before that were in the superhero universe. Are you seeing like returning customers or returning like familiar names? Um, you know, people who know and sort of like, like and trust the, the work that you do because not everybody who's a superhero fan is going to be a horror fan. I, I would think there's a lot of crossover there, but maybe there's some people that are just like, you know, superheroes are my jam or horror is my jam. Like, uh, what are you seeing there? Yeah, so, so that that is super super good question. Uh, I thought so. So here was my assumption. Um, so I thought with doing the forsaken, so the forsaken future, just to be clear, uh, the issue three that I did, it it didn't get funded. It, it fell short. So I thought, okay, I'm going to bring the funding down on this one, and I'll bring over these fifty, the fifty to the seventy people who were supporting. I think it was fifty who were supporting it at the time, uh, and it, that didn't happen, and that's what really surprised me actually. Um, so I thought kind of what you're saying i think superheroes their jam or i think more sci-fi is their jam okay um and that they're they're not they didn't transfer at least not yet um so i'm still spamming them a bit uh to let them know what's going on um but i'm feeling that it's it, it didn't unfortunately give me that base that i wanted to be able to grow on for this so i thought as white fire comics i could expand it for instance, let's say it's it's up to like around let's say around twenty people right now. So I thought I could expand it to to have that fifty base plus twenty. So I'd be up to like 70, 70 people, and then bring that to hundred with the next issue. You know what I mean? And just keep building. Mm -hmm. uh, but unfortunately, I didn't see that happen, and, I, and I'm not sure why. I haven't been able to figure it out. Um, but if anyone has any ideas out there, I would love to know what it is that I, I think you could be right. And I think maybe launching this on Halloween, I thought was this brilliant idea. But I'm starting to think maybe that people spend their money on Halloween uh, and then they, you know, they don't have a lot of money. And then what's up next is uh, Black Friday. Um, so maybe there's a chance that people don't have a ton of money in, 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 the, uh, in the month of November, the way, the way they had before. I think that could also be a factor. Okay. So this is my, my standard question for people who are running a Kickstarter. Um, are you a refresh the page every 30 seconds to see where you are? Or are you able to sort of mellow out, you know, go do something, come back and check out and see, see where things are? Absolutely mellow out. Um, oh, wow. I am not, not, I'm not the button clicker. Uh, oh, I'm man. not sitting there going, dang, 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 what's going on? I will check it after I do a, a, a significant amount of time after I do some kind of post. Let's say I do something to Twitter and I'll, I'll, I'll wait an hour or two and then i'll check it and i go nope nothing yet nope and i'll try and tweak that tweet like i i do it more to try and figure out if i'm hitting a groove of any type to try and find some kind of uh place to to to, to grow off of or to throw another comment out on um so i'm doing it more from i think from a marketing perspective i guess sort of um but i am okay to just let it let it sit there and come back 
in a couple hours and, and check on it. Noah, once again, we're finding out that uh, we're the madmen uh, mashing the uh, the refresh button on on our Kickstarters. Everybody else is so calm, and we're just uh, we're just losing yeah. our our sanity every every thirty seconds. <laughs> You're gonna break the internet. Maybe. Stop that. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just teach us your ways. Maybe that's what that's where I'm coming to now. Is just like, please show us how to do to mellow out. That would be so helpful. I tell you the first Kickstarter was way worse. Um, but I, you know what I mean? So the first one, I definitely checked it a lot more. This one, I think I know what I'm doing. Well, I think I know more of what I'm doing, even though it's not showing right now with the, with the support. But I think in the sense that I know I can do nothing else more. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Mm -hmm. I've pushed myself. I've done as much as I can. I got to let this baby fly or, 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 or it doesn't fly, right? It's kind of to push it out of the nest. Hey, come on, do your thing. I can't control whether you just flap your wings or not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, one of the things that I had in the sort of the outline for the for the podcast that we haven't touched on yet is uh, sort of other projects, cons, and in, in, in future plans. I, I see that uh, you do have some cons, and you also um, you have sort of future plans. So, do you want to talk about like uh, you know sort of hitting the con circuit now that? you know, things are, are getting back to normal and maybe a little bit about this this other project that we might see from you? Yeah, so um, on, the, on the con scene, right before this whole COVID thing started, I was planned to go to East Coast Comic Con. I'd heard so many good things about it and I'm originally from the East Coast of Canada. Uh, so I'd gone back to one called Hellcon, which is very big back home. Uh, but I really wanted to go to East Coast Comic Con. And uh, so it, I'm hoping that this year I'll be able to get out to it uh, and hope things kind of relax out a bit. I'll probably try to do a couple local ones, but not the big ones. I'm going to try and do some smaller ones. And the, uh, there's some smaller comic book ones uh, that are more for established comic books. Like, you know what I mean? They're more like a bunch of guys who are selling their comic books, uh, comic shops getting together and doing their thing. Uh, I might try a couple of those too. Uh, but past that, I, there, there's, a, there's my final cabinet just got some good stuff in there. And I, the, 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 uh, the other, one of the other ones is actually a crucifix on Holy Lands, which I've been sitting on for quite a while. But the biggest thing I had, like when I started this Raquel Quinn's Curse, I actually have a, a larger kind of steampunk world idea called the butchery. Uh, and it, it's, it's, it's the world where I'm going to point it. If you don't, if this isn't video, I'm pointing at the camera, say you're the meat. Uh, and it's a dark future series. Uh, so <laughs> it's, awesome. if I pull that off, that'll be pretty interesting. And I might try to get Aja to help me with this. Uh, finding an artist was a problem. Uh, so uh, maybe this would be something he'd be, he would be really good at. I'll probably throw some pages at him and see how it goes. But I didn't want to distract things off Raquel right now. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and then I'm planning to go back to the Forsaken Futures. I'm just a one person, right, trying to do this, as, as we kind of discussed uh, earlier, Matt, uh, in my basement, trying to, to figure this out and with limited budget. So uh, it, it's tricky, but I'll get to things eventually. Nice, nice. So I, I, I feel like the, this is the part where we're going to close up the interview. But normally when I when I do that, I, I check in with Noah for, for sort of final thoughts uh, or a possible last question. Uh, no final thoughts. Just looking forward to the next time we have you on to hear about your your, your future, your further collaborations with the artists you have or maybe some new collaborations and the new stories that you have. So. Thanks for having us on. I mean, thanks for coming on rather. Yeah, no, thank you to you guys. I really appreciate what you guys do. You, 
uh, you guys helped me get a voice out there to, to a different bubble of people. And I, I'm realizing that's important stuff to do. Uh, I'm not the marketing genius guy. I'm the guy creating the comics, right? <laughs> but I'm learning I have to be both. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing that we, we've talked about is that you sort of, as an indie creator, you know, you know, we're not, we're not Brian Bendis. We're not, you know, you know, Scott Snyder. Like we're, we're creating half the time. And then we also are sort of marketing half the time. And that's sort of the, the, the medium that you, you have to find is like, you know, it's fun to sort of draw your comic, write your comic. It might not be so much fun to sort of go on social media and sort of post about your comic, but that's just things that you have to do like in the sphere that we're in. Right. Yeah, it's the only way to make it happen. That's for sure. Cool, cool. So let's uh, let's do this. Um, as we close up, let's uh, let people know where they can follow you online to keep up to date with this project and certainly projects that are coming down the line. Um, so social media and uh, one last sort of it can be more than an elevator pitch for for this book that's on Kickstarter right now. Okay. Uh, yep. Yeah. So uh, pretty well everything. I have Twitter, Facebook, uh, and Instagram are all at Whitefire Comics. Um, so that's that's one easy way to be able to access all three of those. If whatever your uh, flavor of ice cream is, that's that's the one you can pick and, and look at and see what's going on. I I new to Instagram, but it's going really really well actually. I think I've got over two hundred people already, which is crazy. Um, uh, past that, of course, the Kickstarter uh, is where you're going to find stuff that's going on. You just have to uh, keep in touch with me there. Uh, but also uh, on whitefirecomics.com, like this is where I started everything. Is a, this is why I went to school to become a web designer, uh, was to be able to create my own place uh, for my own, I'll air quote, immortality. Um, so this is where you're going to see a lot, even the concept uh, cover for uh, the butchery and stuff like that and uh, crucifix unholy lands. You're going to see stuff there that you're not going to see posted anywhere else yet. You get a vision of, of what, what stuff is going on, but you can also become a fan there and become part of the email list um, so that that will keep you totally up to date with what I got going on all the time. It's probably the best way to stay in contact. I mean, with Facebook, the way it is sometimes, it, it seems like it's very specific uh, or it forgets people sometimes. Um, but I would definitely go to whitefirecomics.com. Um, past another elevator pitch, uh, I just had a real quick way to say, you know, if you take Ghost Rider, put them in a blender, you take a bunch of Templars, put them in there with them too, a little bit of sprinkle a little bit of curse of oak island on top of that all mix it up real good and sprinkle it over a graveyard that's pretty well what you're going to get here um it's it's uh it's a really cool series i'm really excited for it uh if you're a fan of the supernatural or horror this is well worth your shot uh and it's 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 not the rewards start at ten dollars each uh so you know for 10 bucks you get the pdfs good deal plus there's a lot of collectible stuff there too very cool. So at the time of this recording, it's it's the, the middle of November um, and you have uh, about two weeks to go. Right. So like what's yeah. the day that this uh, Kickstarter closes on November 30th? It should finish at 6 p.m., I believe. Uh, it's it's not a lot of time. And uh, the, we're going to back good these last two weeks because um, a lot of the So because I it, if you look at the dollar value, it looks reasonable. It's 52 percent. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but that's card set sales. So the card set sales was two groups of that. And then a couple of the uh, the other uh, I believe it's called my Fright Night bundle sold. So if the 
there's not a lot of card sets left to buy. I have some from Rodney Bennett, uh, the one card set for that. And I did my own card set, but I don't, I'm not sure if those will sell. Um, but I, but I, I did my own interpretation of it and hopefully they do they do sell. Um, but uh, so there's not a lot of high price items. It's gonna have to be the lower price items now that make up the difference. So I need to find those bubbles uh, out there to make this happen. And hopefully I do. Very cool. So we're gonna put a link to the to the Kickstarter in the show notes to this podcast. So for anybody listening, just sort of open up that pod player, scroll down through the show notes, hit that link and go directly to the Kickstarter. We'll also put links to your social media um, in the show notes as well. But uh, I just want to encourage everybody to sort of act quickly because, you know, we're in that sort of second half of the Kickstarter here. So, it, you know, time is of the essence. Uh, uh, to get there and check things out. But uh, Dorm, it was it was great uh, talking to you again. Um, you have an open invite. Um, you know, we come back, we can talk about this, mm -hmm. we can talk about the butchery, uh, anything in the future, just, uh, just let us know and we would love to have you back on. That's absolutely fantastic and I super appreciate it. Uh, you guys rock. Cool, thank you. So you for anybody... Man. For anybody listening, if you could give us a rating and review of the, the podcast on the podcasting service you use, we really appreciate it. Um, again, just check the show notes. Uh, you know, there's going to be Kickstarter links. There's going to be social media links. Um, there'll also be a link to Future Tales of Sci-Fi, which is a sci-fi anthology uh, based around space. Um, Noah and myself, we have a story in that. that that's going to be linked in the, in the show notes. Um, if you want to follow the podcast, we're on Twitter, and that is at Construct Compod. Instagram is Constructing Comics Pod, and Facebook is Constructing Comics. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Please be safe, be nice to each other, and go out there and make some comics. Thank you. <laughs>